devil in the deep <laughs> Hello and welcome to this week's Devil in Detail podcast. I'm Rob Paxson. We're here talking all things Salford Red Devils. Joining the show this week, as ever, we've got Paul Whiteside. Right, Paul, how's your week been, mate? Hi, Rob. Yeah, yeah, sound, yeah. Uh, same as normal, really busy. But looking forward to uh, to going to Casford on on Friday night. I can't wait for the season to start now. I've, I've been watching the, the championship unfold, listening to bits of it on the radio and listening to the scores there. And, you know, it's exciting stuff, isn't it? You know, Challenge Cup as well. I mean, that's taking place this weekend as well. But looking forward to, uh, you know, the week in and week out of watching Salford, mate. So excited is, is the word. Yeah. I've also got Paul Parkin. How's your week been, mate? Yeah. Hi, guys. Um, yeah, a bit up and down. Uh, bit of a... Uh... Bit of sickness and so on, but uh, I've dragged myself up. We're here to we're here to chat. Um, I'm, but I am excited. That's why I'm here because it's the start of the new season, isn't it? I mean, come on, does does it get any better? This is like Christmas, isn't it? It is, is, and also we've got the president. We've got the big president on the show uh, today uh, for our listeners. We're joined by the Suns Rugby League correspondent. We've got Gaz Carter, right, Gaz? Hi, mate. Thanks for the build-up. No pressure, eh? <laughs> yeah, it's obviously looking forward to, to talking all things Salford uh, on the on the podcast uh, t- today. Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, it's an exciting year for the, for the sport and for Salford in particular. So just re- ready to bring it on, really, see how it goes. Yeah, so we've got lots to go on on the on the show. We've got all the big news coming out of the club this week. We're going to review the uh, the Warrington defeat uh, last Friday, and then me and Gaz are going to have a preview of the, of the Super League uh, season, and then we're going to look forward to the Casford game on Friday night. So what we'll do, we'll start off with the big news coming out of the club this week. So started off with the big news: the uh, the ladies' team uh, will be playing in the championship this season. Uh, Gaz, it's great. Obviously, the uh, the ladies' team have this uh, you know ability to be able to play it in the championship level, and it's good for the club too. It's a real step forward for the club, and also the way the club is pitching as well, like equal footing with the men. In even just changing the the main page on the Twitter profile has made a huge impact, hmm. and it gives gives the ladies involved a real big sort of impetus and. Confidence that they belong to Salford Rugby League Club. Yeah, I think it's really good. Obviously, Parky, that you know that the the ladies are able to you know play in week in week out rugby league. And obviously, I, I was doing a little, little bit of research. There's lots of teams in in that uh, sort of division last season. The likes of uh, Lee Miners and Barra and Widness and Stanley and Alton Raiders, uh, Hull FC, Halifax and Keith. Obviously, we don't know who's in the championship this season yet, uh, but it's going to be exciting. Yeah, very much so. I think it's good. Isn't it? I mean, we were saying last week um, how, how many you know the strides that the club have made in the last couple of years in, in developing. Obviously, we you know not the first team, but everything beneath that. And this is this is a massive step. You know, even setting the, the team up to start with was a was a bold move, uh, which you know could have fell flat on his face. No, you know, no saying anyone's going to take you up on it. Um, but no, it's rapid strides. It's gone so quickly. I mean, I thought this year would just be a year of Maybe a few friendlies for them, getting get, you know getting the team together, finding facilities, and straight away back you know into the championship. Fantastic! I mean, the girls look well up for it, and from what I've seen from their replies on Twitter, um, they're 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 ready for it. They're really keen. Um, I, I wouldn't stand in the way, certainly. And, I, and like Gaz just said there about uh, about the club's treatment of of the whole thing, it, it's been magnificent. It, it it does feel it's not just a gimmick. You know what I mean? It's kind of it is the club. This is what we are. This is who we are, and this is the the community club we wanted. 
you know, when we moved to the to the AJ Bell, you know, ten years ago or whatever, which we'd never transpired. This is finally. This feels like it, and uh, I'm delighted for him. I, I can't wait to to see it, and uh, hopefully, you know, like you say, the rapid strides they made already. Who knows? In a couple of years, we you know we could be competing with the Saints and the Leeds and the ladies, uh, the ladies scene. You know, I think York and Cast teams like that are all well developed, um, and we've got to start somewhere. And this is it. So it's a it's a big year for us. Yeah, obviously, Salford's uh, community drive, Paul, is, is fantastic. Obviously, ladies involved. Uh, they've got a reserve side. They've got the academy side. The sort of the Salford Devils academy side. Got college teams as well. It's, it's fantastic. The the club are embracing the, the community. Yeah, it certainly is. I got a bit of a surprise on on Friday when we went to Warrington, and I saw the the team, and I thought, blimey, I've not really heard of any of these lads, and, and I couldn't believe it when they all came out. And I thought, where they all come from? And I thought it just shows the hard work that's been done. You know, you know, off off the off the pitch there. You know, we've got good links with Wales, good links with the you know the junior clubs and things like that. So, I thought that was tremendous. I know I, I don't want to steal your thunder because we'll be talking about that later. But just going back to the the ladies there, absolutely brilliant. It was great news that I mean, I'm really looking forward to the they call them I think the friendly games they call them this season that they've got coming up. But to be now placed in the championship where it's going to be competitive rugby league every week. That that's absolutely amazing for them. So uh, so yeah, they'll be in the Challenge Cup as well, won't they? So uh, so yeah, absolutely delighted for them, and it's it's just it's just exciting times. I mean, I can't wait. I'm just disappointed because I think the next game for the ladies is on the same day we play Toulouse, isn't it? So mm. I'm not going to be able to go to that one, but um, but no, the the games after that, hopefully, be able to get to them and, uh, and do a bit of coverage, a bit of reporting on them as well. So looking forward to it. As, Gaz, have you seen obviously the the, the ladies' game grow? Uh, sort of nasty. Are people interested uh, in it? Do you see? Do you feel you feel outside the bubble? The, the women's rugby league has grown such on both sides. I mean, I I was at the World Cup final in 2017. The women's World Cup final was before that, hmm. and it was Australia v New Zealand. And the skill and the for physicality of that game was on a par with anything that the men the men produced. I watched the first game against Swinton before before the men's friendly game, and again. The, the skill and the physicality and the commitment, which are the bare, the, the basics of a rugby league team, are all there. They're all there as much as, as much as the men's as much as the men's team. I mean, you might not get the coverage it deserves at the moment, but it's definitely rising. And the, the women's World Cup final being at Old Trafford immediately before the men's or the men's final, it's a massive for the sport in that direction as well. Yeah, it's going to be exciting, obviously, to see what, what happens in the next sort of 12, 18 months, uh, Paul, obviously, because obviously they, they need the, the the team to grow, the profile to grow, and it's going to help the uh, the ladies who are uh, sort of watching and want to get involved in the sport. Yeah, he, he certainly will. I mean, there's some real characters there already, isn't there? We've, we've seen that. They've all changed their um, their profiles, I know, on, on Twitter with the, the really nice photos they've put on. and. And yeah, and I think that they're going to inspire the next generation of ladies to come through and play for the club. And if you're if you're a youngster, say say you're a youngster going with your dad at the moment to, to the match, yeah, you might like the first team, the men's team, but then you see the ladies playing, you think, wow, I want to do that. And and that that for me is that's what sports all about. I mean, it, it's a great it's a great news story, and I'm really excited by it. I'm really excited about what's going on at the club at the moment. I've I said to you guys recently. We're in the press now with good news stories, and there's a real, for me, there's a real feel-good factor around the club at the moment, a real excitement around the club. I mean, I'm not saying we're going to go and win the Super League or we're going to go and win the Grand <laughs> Final and the League Leader Shield, but I think we're going to compete and have a really exciting season, and and to me, that that's what it's all about. And kind of there is a process in 
place, Parker, with the Salford and Swinton uh, sort of rugby girls uh, project going on. So if, if girls do want to get involved, there's a st- step uh, there they can take. Yeah, one thing I will I will say is obviously like Paul said there about inspiring, you know, the next generation. If you like, this is this is the first time we've we've had anything like this. I growing up throughout my life uh, as as a Salford fan, one thing I've known is is, is and. Be, you know, being from here is that the, the ladies of Salford are certainly very passionate. And when it comes to the rugby, they're equally as passionate. Mm. Um, you know, the girls that I know that go to the matches, are, you know, it, it's like us, it's their life. They, they absolutely adore it. And that, that was without this inspiration. So I think in the, in the next five, ten years, the, the, the uptake of not just girls playing the game, actually watching the game and being involved in the game, you know, is, is obviously a very male-dominated scene or, or always has been. Um, I think that'll change, and I think you'll see a big, a big development. And the thing is, with, with rugby league, obviously, always being a, a family sport, if you like, um, I think it just opens it up even more now. And these these girls will will inspire people to to come along and you know come and have a look and come and have a go. You know, rugby league it's, it's a fantastic sport to play, not just watch. Um, uh, you know, you've got to be brave. Obviously, that's that's one thing. But uh, I don't think most girls suffer with that. Certainly not in Salford. Um, so uh, yeah, no, it's good, and that's just wanted to say that you know from what that Paul said there, just getting people involved, and then they'll come along, they'll bring their family, and and it's, it's, it can only be good for the sport, and certainly in Salford, you know we, as we know, we've suffered for years with getting people to actually come along and watch us. Any anything that opens up another stream, another avenue for people to come along and get involved is is brilliant, and that's what these girls are doing. Yeah, talk about people coming along, uh, Paul. Tickets for Castleford are available uh, at the club. They, they've sold out and they got some more, which is great. Um, you know, people going down, purchasing tickets, uh, you know, going to be a great following come Friday. It certainly is, yeah. And like we said, I know Castleford have, have sort of uh, marketed the game, haven't they? And sold, I think they said, eight and a half, nine thousand tickets. So, I mean, we just mentioned before, didn't we? It's an old ground castle, but you always get a terrific atmosphere there, don't you? I enjoy going there. I'd much prefer to go there on a Sunday afternoon than a Friday night, like. Mm. But mm. I think um, I think it's gonna be a special atmosphere. I think Salford are gonna take a big following as well. And I think if you had four or five thousand in, in Weldon Road, it'd be good. But you know, if you're talking like nine thousand in there, it's gonna be absolutely buzzing on Friday night, first game of the season. And what you get first game of the season is, I know it sounds daft, but. And simple, but everybody starts on zero points, don't they? So, the start of the season, you've all got the same goal, haven't you? To win as many games as you can. Everybody's got a chance of getting into the playoffs, getting to the grand final, I suppose. And, you know, that, that might sound a bit far-fetched, but look what we did a few years ago. You can get on that roll and you know, stay clear of injuries and things work out, things go well for you. Who knows what could happen? So, I wouldn't like to predict now where Salford are going to finish next season. I've got, to be honest with you, I've no idea. So, I'm just as excited as everybody else for us to see it, to see how we go, really, and see how these new signings go. It's going to be fascinating. Yeah, ticket office park is open 10-4, uh, late night Thursday, 1-8. till eight, So, uh, chance for fans to get down there before the big kickoff. Yeah, I'm glad you've uh, told me they've got more tickets. Um, I obviously have not been, I've not been great over the last seven days, um, so it was a bit fifty-fifty what to do. Um, obviously, I, I don't think I've never missed an opening day, and nope. I've not missed many games in the last forty odd years. But, but I was feeling that that, that rough, but uh, the decision's been made in exactly. my own head. I'm going anyway. Oh. So uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be uh, be online in a bit, ordering my ticket. Definitely. Um, but yeah, like Paul said, I mean, going to Weldon Road at any time of year, it's, I was going to say it's a bear pit, it's a tiger pit, if you like. 
um, they, they always make it hostile. You know, it's uh, it's, uh, but it is it is a proper rugby league ground, isn't it? You know, very much sort of reminiscent mm. of, of, of the Willows in many ways, except if it rains, you get wet. Um, but it'll be a fantastic atmosphere. Uh, they'll make it very, very tough, and, and Lee Radford and his team will make it very, very tough. Um, but I think it's a great opening day game. I think there's so many unknowns in this. It's not like the last few years we've played Saints first up, and not even the most optimistic Salford fan has gone to them games thinking we're going to turn these over today on the opening day of the season. You know, you can go to Cass, and it can go either way. You know, we don't know how their new players have settled, how the new coaches settled in, anything like that. So. I think it's a really good game to to get along to, and I think that's that's helped the crowd because even even the cast fans could easily think, well, it's only Salford, you know what I mean? Why why are we bothering? Um, but yeah, no, it'd be it'd be a great atmosphere, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Now it's certainly perked me up. Gals, there's your headline for Friday: Parky fit for Cass. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Overcoming the overcoming illness and injury, probably. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, I mean, like you like you said, I mean, I said it. Said it before, it's a, it's a battle of the unknowns, really, Cass Salford, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> um, so sad news has come to us uh, this week, uh, Paul. Uh, next player, uh, Tony Colby, passed away. Uh, our thoughts are with his friends and family at this time. Uh, so tell us, tell us all about him, Tony Colby. Yeah, um, he's a player that he's funny, he's, he's probably not one of the most Famous players are the one that had come off, off people's sort of tongues when you talk mm. about like that team of the seventies. But I remember being a kid and, and my dad always used to have a bit of a joke with me and he'd he'd ream the team off to me when he we were having a having a, he'd like and Tony Colby was one of the ones he always used to mention. It was always Charlton. What was it? No, he used to say Charlton Richards Colby. What can you have a go at me now? If I get it wrong, but he was always one of them. And um, and yeah, and I remember him. He had this like wooden pencil case. I think I put it on Facebook before, and um, you know, really old school nineteen sixties one. And he wrote all the names of the players on, and Tony Colby's on it. And I've got it in my drawer at home. I've kept it. I won't get rid of it. And uh, and yeah, Tony Colby was a Cumbrian lad, uh, signed for Salford nineteen. I think about nineteen seventy. Made his debut in October nineteen seventy. If you actually look at his try record, he scored forty one in eighty eight for Salford. And you know, real, real, real sort of clever player, plenty of pace. My dad always used to say to me though, he had this, this funny running style where he'd do like a change of pace, you know, with his legs. Bit similar to what Martin Fire used to do, you know, a bit of a goose step, that sort of thing. So, uh, so yeah, he's a, he's a player that my dad remembers fondly. And uh, and yeah, forty-one tries in eighty-eight games is a, is a, is a real, is a real, you know, good return. I think um, after he finished at Solvay, I think he went and back to Cumbria. And uh, finished his career at Barrow in the sort of mid seventies. So, uh, so yeah, sad news that that's reached us. So uh, another another player gone. Yeah, um, let's talk about the other news. Uh, Salford Devils Supporters Trust. Paul uh, had a meeting at EGM last night. You went. Obviously, was it a good meeting? Yeah, it was. I had a chat with um, Paul King and, and Paul Roller. We asked them about the season, and you know everybody was really excited for it. Andy Ackers and, and Ryan Briley were on as well. And you know Ryan Briley, I mean. He's he's like a kid in a sweet shop. It's it's funny, really. He's absolutely buzzing for the start of the season, and um, you know can't wait to see him play. Andy Acker's another guy as well. He, he was quite serious. Andy he was sort of saying he's really switched on for this season. He's he's changed a few things in his sort of personal life and who he hangs about with and stuff like that. And you know how, how he's how he's ready now. And I sort of said to him, well, it's a World Cup year. You know, is that something you're aiming for? And 
the way the way he answered the question was like, yeah, I, I really want that. So that that was, uh, you know, he, he was really switched on for it and uh, really focused and, and ready. I mean, after I've spoken to him, I said to him, uh, God, I feel like getting in the car now and driving to Castleford. I'm that fired up. He just seemed really, really keyed up for the game. So, yeah, Paul Rowe is the same. Really excited for it. And uh, Paul King as well. We had a chat about, you know, the, the future of um, where the club's going to be. And I, don't, I wouldn't like to say, but it, it's looking like more lane, isn't it? And things like that. So there's exciting things around the corner, I think, for the club. Um, the Sports Trust are... I don't know the ins and outs of all the finances, but I know they raise an awful lot of money for the club, don't they, and uh, and help out. And there's, hopefully there'll be some good things coming out in in 2022. It's difficult with with COVID; they've not been able to have as many sort of nights out and players' nights and things like that. But I think in, perhaps in 2022 we'll be able to do some more things like that. So, uh, so yeah, it was, it was good. I think they've got almost 300 members now, uh, supporters trust. So. I just urge anybody listening, if you've got a season ticket and you follow us all, just get, just get behind that. It's only a tenner. Uh, support the supporters' trust and um, get to some of the, the events and things like that. But yeah, it was good. Yeah, they also announced, uh, Parker, that there's a new uh, chairperson, uh, Shirley Bradshaw, took over from Pete Brady. Uh, Shirley Bradshaw, fantastic uh, Salford fan, uh, always lets everyone know uh, what, what's going on. And it's great, she'll uh, you'll do a fine job as the, the chairperson. Yeah, um, having worked alongside Shirley when Forever Ed was up and running, I know she won't let anybody rest. Um, they'll they'll certainly be like Paul said there. Obviously, the, the trouble with COVID over the last couple of years, a lack of events and that sort of thing. That's that won't be happening now. Um, she, she'll whip whip everybody into shape. She's uh, I think she's the kind of person that's cut out for that kind of role. Um, she's she you know she she gets things done and um, and obviously as, I mean every everybody every Salford fan knows Shirley. There's no no introductions needed. Is this she'll just get on with the job now. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure she'll do. Uh, I'm sure she'll do pretty well. And uh, I, I think it's if, if you're not a member <coughs> like me, um, it, it's time to hide from Shirl because she'll certainly get older to make sure you do join. But to, to my uh, to my credit, I did go looking for him, but they weren't they weren't there at the friendlies to join up. So, but I will be doing that. But I'd urge, like Paul said, urge anybody get behind them because that that money again at the end of last year, another was it twenty odd grand they handed over to the club. I, that's phenomenal. That's that's money the club. It's a lifeline to the club that, um, and these people give up the time freely to, to do that stuff. So uh, yeah, just just get behind it and uh, and good luck to Cheryl. Yeah, Gaz, like Parky said, raised over twenty grand um, for, for the club. Also raised uh, sort of over nine thousand pound on memorabilia. So how is it important? Obviously that that. Sort of the supporters trust, not just us, but obviously other teams have supporters trust. Well, get involved and uh, sort of help the the club best they can. Just uh, just on on Shirley, I'm amazed we've not seen the traditional Shirley Bradshaw photo with Tim Wafai yet. She's always <laughs> she's always the first to pose with new players. Yeah, always. But now, having known Shirley for a few years now, I know for a fact that she's the right person for the job, and she will drive it forward. But like you say, clubs are clubs, but. Clubs aren't anything with the supporters, really. I mean, the supporters are a vital part of the club. I mean, rugby league could be moving into into a different sort of market now, whereby off-field commercial deals are the, the way the club survive and everything. But the game, I mean, I've, I've been done games behind closed doors during COVID and everything. They're very, very boring and cold without, without fans there. You're not wrong, Gaz. It, it can be cold. It was cold on... Friday night in Warrington, that's for sure, when everyone had gone home. 
I was gonna say there were fans there as well. I mean, well, have you done have you done the grand final in Hull with no fans there in November? It was blooming freezing. <laughs> and also when when I'll tell you a little story because there was no one in the stand. All you could hear was the commentators and the players going round. When Makinson dropped goal at the post and Jack Wellsby scored at the end, all you could hear at the ground was commentators, journalists, and St. Helens, well, St. Helens and Wigan players going, What the hell has just happened there? And I've just cleaned that up, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> to get the, the Ryan Wilkinson bleeper out then for a sec. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, like I say, it's, it's fantastic. Obviously, you know, yeah. supporters trust in you know are, are great things, and I'm sure uh, clubs you know around the around the country, mm. um, especially in lower division ones, uh, guys, that you know have a massive say in how the clubs run. No, definitely. I mean, the, I mean, in sort of in football as well. I mean, having watched the Bournemouth mm. Bournemouth FA Cup game the other day, Bournemouth sponsors on the shirt of the Wood Army. Mm. So essentially, the fans sponsor the club, and without man. Bournemouth took fourteen hundred to Bournemouth. I mean, for an average home game, they get eight eight hundred, nine hundred. So they almost like doubled their home attendance away from home. So, I mean, it shows the the, the importance of supporting lower division rugby league and lower division football as well. I mean, for my for my sins, I'm a Stockport County fan as well, and oh. we we're we're getting like six seven thousand a game, even sort of in even sort of in when we're in Conference North. Without without those fans, I mean. They probably wouldn't be a club around anymore. And it's a similar sort of story, particularly at lower league rugby league clubs. Without without the fans, the clubs wouldn't be existing. Yeah, it's so important. Obviously, get yourselves down uh, to to the supporters trust meetings or if they're on Zoom, I think, or whatever they're on at the moment. But support them, and obviously, it'll make uh, the club stronger uh, overall. So that's all all the big news uh, come out of the club. And now we'll look back at the defeat against uh, Warrington on uh, Friday night. You're listening to Devil in the Detail, and this is your big match review. So, Salford <clears throat> Devils were defeated, 30 points to 14. Uh, Paul, uh, what did you make of it? What did you make of the performance? I was impressed, really. I thought Warrington came out like an house on fire, really. And they've got they've got some impressive youngsters. I mean, the two Thulis brothers, I mean, they look like they've been playing for, for an awful long time. And... Mm. And I know the lad called Ellis Longstaff as well. I think some of these lads have played at Super League level before and have, have got experience. I, I, I remember the names and what have you. So, so it was going to be a tough test against them. And I know we played a couple of first teamers early doors, and uh, there wasn't a lot in it in that first half. But what impressed me the most was when a lot of the first teams went off in that second half. We had a lot of the young lads on, and there was a point there in that second half where we were the better side. We got back to sixteen fourteen, I think, and it was anybody's game then. So that. It was holding our own there, and that 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 made me feel really proud. That, and I know Warrington then scored. I think they scored three tries in what, ten minutes or so, and, and ran away with the game. But thirty points to fourteen there against oh, a really really good academy, a really good you know sort of Warrington second string. I thought for a, you know for the first game for the reserves really. I mean, I know we played a couple of games a few years ago under Ian Watson, didn't we? But uh, but no, I thought it was a great a great effort, um, particularly to see. Um, Likes of Alex Davison come back. I remember when he played, made his first debut at Salford, and I had to look at him twice. I went, I remember him playing against Dulcar in 2011. He came on for Ryan Boyle, I think, who went off, and we won that game with the Willows. And um, I thought, that's the same guy. And then I did a bit of reading about him the next day and then realised it was. So um, so that that's a great story as well. And, and just going to some of the other youngsters, Jack Stevens again. 
think he's a cracking player, really is. He's only small, but probably going to fill out over the next few years. But what a pair of hands he's got. And um, no, really proud. I thought it was a good display. And uh, credit to Warrington as well. They've got some terrific young players and um, they've obviously got a good academy there. And some of those lads are going to have a big influence on Warrington this season. So yeah, it was, it's an enjoyable, enjoyable night and a cold, but a cold night, as you say. Yeah, big thanks for, for Luke and Alex Davidson to, to, to be able to give us some information regarding some of these these lads. Also, a bit of digging on the old internet as well. And, uh, you know, the, the, there was some, you know, talent there uh, for me, um, Paul. Uh, Joseph Brady, one of the try scorers, uh, he's, an, he's an England Lion, so, you know, he, he knows where the line is. And, you know, players like that who are, you know, playing at a, a good level, uh, you know, might get an opportunity for late down the line. Let's hope so, yeah. I mean... They didn't look out of place, some of those lads. I thought they, they, they did really well. That that game was played at a real good standard, real high intensity as well. A really enjoyable match. And, um, yeah, it, it, that would be great if some of those players can perhaps break into the, the first team later on in the year. I mean, I'm not saying they will do. You don't know. It's a big, big gulf, isn't it? But, but why not? Why not? So um, it's great that we've got that in place. Now we've got that reserve team in place. And you do you do need that. I think you need that. You need some sort of a pathway. I think we've still got little building blocks missing um, because we obviously we didn't get that, that academy given to the, the license given to us. But we've got we've got things in place there. And I think that's credit to the club for doing that and the people working hard behind the scenes. Yeah, I think fullback uh, Callum Green was impressive as well. Uh, Jacob Lee, the big Welsh forward, uh, six foot two, eighteen stone, crashed over for a try in the second half. So uh, there's definitely a you know promise in this team. Adam Holt as well, one of the, a hooker who was impressive. I thought in that in that second half. So looking through through the list, you know, Paul, we, we've got we've got talent, and obviously. Parky, you, you remember the, the glory days, of the the academy. It's kind of like that now. We've got this reserve team back, and uh, we've got players who can who can play and, and develop. You know, it's funny hearing the name of, of, of Alex Davison again, and uh, I remember Callum Marriott coming through with him. I remember that game against Hull KR, and they bullied Willie Mason, mm, yeah. Big Willie. Do you remember that? I mean, yeah. th- this guy was he come over with his massive reputation, and these two kids out of our academy were bullying him. Um, always had a lot of potential. I, I, I think didn't. Didn't he fall out of love with the game for a bit or something and got a job and went off on his studies or something like that? Great to see him back. Um, I think, yeah, I, I mean, these are the first steps. A bit like with the ladies' team and everything else. We, we, we're starting from scratch here. We haven't, you know, we've got to throw these kids together and hope for the best. Um, and it does sound promising. You know, obviously, I followed the game uh, as best they could via Twitter and everything else. And uh, a lot of comments were coming in for a lot of lads that you, you, you mentioned there. Um, and obviously, that, I'm, I'm delighted. I know I say it all the time. Delighted with the Welsh connection. Um, it, I, we can pick up some more talent from from the you know from the valleys. Then then brilliant because there is so much there that's, that, that if it's not involved in rugby union already, we've got to get our hands on it and keep it because it, they'll they'll be really good assets for us. And and it's nice to see them get the chance. And it will prove to to their, to their you know their the, the guys they train with back down in Wales or wherever there is a pathway and there is a a way that, you know, hopefully you can get a career in professional sport and, and with the salt for Red Devils. Um, but yeah, I mean, looking at the Warrington team, like Paul said, I recognise a lot of the names. And and I remember, was it last year, the year before? I think it was the year before when we had, went to the, the, the cup final the week before we played them in a, in a game. They, they played a load of kids and everyone was like, oh, you're only beating the kids. And it happened with St. Helens in the same year. 
the thing is with these kids, they played together for two or three years. They know each other's game. They know the patterns. Yeah, they physically they, they won't be as big as our first team as were at that time. But as a team, they know each other. They've got the patterns all worked out. There was no real shocks for most of them. Whereas when you look to our team, I mean, most of the, the, the first team players that played on Friday night haven't played together yet, never mind anybody else. So it's, you know, it was an absolute mismatch in terms of, of experience in that way, not in terms of years of playing, but actually time on the pitch together. And that's, that's, the, that's the key thing. You don't have to be an experienced player if you're part of that team, you know, a, a team that knows each other so well. Um, so it didn't surprise me to see Warrington do what they did. And like Paul said, you know, with some of them players, they've got these kids. These, these are some of the best kids around. You know, Warrington do get their fair pick. You know, you get teams, Wigan Saints, Leeds over in Yorkshire, who pick the, the best of what, what's out there. And they'll be doing the same thing with Warrington. They've got a really good amateur scene around there as well. Um, so encouraging, really, for these lads who are getting the first proper run out as a you know as a team um, to, to put up that kind of effort. So yeah, we, we can only be happy with that, and as long as all of them you know got got a decent run out and not didn't pick up too many injuries or anything like that, then uh, then onwards and upwards. Yeah, Gaz. What what I'm saying is, obviously, we haven't got um, kind of a, a pathway really from our academy up to the Super League uh, Super League side, but a lot of teams in Super League have that. But what we've got now is a building block towards it. And hopefully in the next sort of three to five years, we'll get that process uh, streamlined and be able to develop uh, the uh, the next generation coming through. Yeah, definitely. I mean, any, any building block is a good thing. I mean, the, the way the way the game the game went at Warrington, it's a real effort for bringing the reserve grade competition back across the board. For, for too many years now, it's been... You get, get, you get to 19, if you're not developed to 19... That's it. You're out, basically. There's too many examples across the sport, really, of players that have developed after the age of 19. I mean, Alex Walter being the ideal one. I mean, he was playing university rugby league and was spotted and came through at Batley and look at him now. There's various other other examples. But, I mean, I mean Sofford are doing a really good job in, in in putting the building blocks in place, I'd say, particularly the, the, the link up with Wales. And in future years, maybe the link up with Ghana as well. And tapping into that, maybe not, maybe even not bringing players over from Ghana, but tapping into the Ghanaian and African community in, in the Manchester and Suffolk areas. I mean, there will be the talent is out there. It's just a case of going and finding it, I'd, I'd say. Yeah, obviously, it's it. It was a friendly, but obviously, development, Paul, for, for the kids coming through. And uh, we'll be looking out for fixtures to come in the next uh, weeks and months to come. Yeah, I, I didn't go away from the game too disappointed with the score. Obviously, what win matches, don't you? But I came away from it really sort of warmed by it, really, by and proud that they'd put that that side out. So it's exciting times, like you say. It's, it's building blocks now, and uh, you know we've got a reserve um, campaign this season, haven't we? So hopefully those players, like Parkey said, can can play together every week now, and that that that's what you want and getting to know each other and you know getting games under the belts and then uh, we'll see where it goes from there but you know it, it's exciting now we've got to keep that now we've got to keep that reserve team now and I think things like the support the trust and and stuff like that is going to help fund that you know we're not a washing money at Salford so if we've got initiatives like that that can help fund the, uh, the the reserves I think that's all good yeah, so that's the end of our Warrington review. And now we're going to look forward uh, to the start of the Super League season and have a look at uh, what the competition uh, is. Gentlemen in detail. 
yeah, so Super League starts this weekend, uh, Gaz. Uh, are you looking forward to it? It's going to be exciting. Yeah, there's quite a strange sort of feeling going around the Rugby League circles at the minute, and that's one of optimism. We're not quite used to looking forward to things, are we? Uh. But the way the way Super League sort of built up with the team sort of strengthening across the board, really, as well, it, sort of, it bodes well for the competition. I mean, it's got to be a long year come up made with the World Cup at the end of the year anyway, but that's a real focus for the club side. The club side to bought players that bring the most out of the players they've got now, and the clubs will improve across the board, I think, really. Plus, this the element of the second French team, I mean, no one quite knows how Toulouse are going to do, what Toulouse are going to do. I don't think Toulouse quite know what they're going to do, but it sort of all adds that element of intrigue, doesn't it? Into, into the mix for the Super League season. But the main thing for me is that there's, there's great strength in depth across the board at Super League. Like previously, you'd say, oh, they're going to be top four, they're going to be five to eight, they're going to be nine to 12. But now you, you can't really can't really predict where many teams are going to finish with it. I'd probably say seven or eight teams where you could say well, could be up there, which, which all adds to... I mean, the great the great thing is before the start of the season is people guessing who's going to finish where. Mm. The prospects of being on free to air TV finally mm. and seeing what the Channel Four coverage brings. Benefits of the Channel Four coverage will be more people will see the players on the pitch and or they'll say, "Oh, he, he's quite a good player. I quite like the look of him. I watch him again," sort of thing. And the, I mean, spoke at Channel Four yesterday. They're sort of very much of the opinion of, "Well, our coverage will be great." It's even better if it boosts sky coverage and boosts the coverage across the board. Really, it's not us and them. It's not we're doing we're doing our thing. Sky are doing their thing. I mean, yeah, the, the the two styles will look different, but one complements each other. One doesn't go against each other. It's also also a part of one bigger picture, really. Yeah, I think obviously having it on uh, Channel 4, it's like kind of a flashback to the grandstand glory years of rugby <laughs> league on a, on a Saturday afternoon. And that's the, the kind of way when you when you look back, people got involved. That's probably how probably how uh, the popularity grew in the sport. It was probably more popular back then when it was on grandstand. So you're hoping that uh, it has a similar effect on, on Channel 4. I'm going to sound like a horrific name dropper here now. I've spoken to Martin Afire. <laughs> All right. And he says, he says one of the reasons why... He can walk down the street in London as a 56-year-old bloke and people recognise him as a rugby league player is because he played on grandstand. Mm. So that, that shows the effect that free-to-air TV can bring. I mean, OK, financially, it may not pull the gap in the reduced Sky contract, but expose, you can't really put a price in exposure. I mean, mm. if, 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 say, Leeds and Warrington put on a brilliant game on Channel 4 on Saturday, people will look at it and think, what, what a brilliant game rugby league is. Oh, what's the next one? And if I mean it goes one one game week one one game week two then it's one a month on Channel Four until the playoffs. But if say the first two games go really really well and they they really good games to watch, people may look and say, oh, "I fancy watching more of that rugby league. Where can I watch it? Oh, I'll get a Sky subscription for it." Mm. So that that's how it can benefit benefit both everyone involved really. Yeah, and I suppose. Uh... Sort of Channel Four will be monitoring that, won't they? If they do have Sky Eye uh, viewing figures, they might think, well, down the line, if there's another uh, TV uh, sort of contract come up, we'll pump, we'll pounce on it and, and grow our coverage. Well, in a way, that's that's the beauty of having only a two-year broadcasting deal, really, with Sky and Channel Four. Hmm. I asked, uh, I asked the, the head of sport of Channel Four if he had any sort of viewing figure targets in mind or anything. Like that. He said he does. 
but he doesn't doesn't really doesn't really want doesn't really have sky high targets in mind. If you know what I mean, obviously they will be higher than the sky figures now because more people can access Channel Four. But as long as they're of a good, a good enough figure that he's happy with, he'll sort of look at Super League as a worthwhile exercise, really, and we'll look at either repeating or expanding it in future, which is a good thing for the game. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Obviously, this season just about to kick off. We'll have a quick run through through the teams, guys. You can give us your opinion on on what's uh, what could happen for each team. We'll start with with Castleford Salford's uh, opponents on Friday night. Uh, new coach uh, Lee Radford's in. Uh, what do you think of that? Do you think he's going to be able to put his stamp on that team? He, he already has already. In that he's brought in several faces from that he worked with at Hull, like of Joe Westerman and Mahe Fenua and Beretta Faraimo, but. but with Castleford, it's almost like it's a great unknown, isn't it? You've got you, you've got a new coach who's replaced a guy who was there for eight years previously. Hmm. What 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 change of what change in style will he bring? What what changes will the new players bring? We I mean, no one quite knows at how Castleford will do until sort until sort of four or five games in when things have settled down and people are used to style styles of play and things. I mean, I mean, I've been spoken to a few people at Castleford. They certainly talk a game. They're certainly confident that things will. will They'll kick on, but again, we just never know until till a month. Into, even if say the first couple of games go really well for Castleford, you could just you could just say, well, that's the new coach bounce. I mean, we've seen in football loads of times like new t- a team gets a new manager, they win the next game. Hmm. It could be a similar sort of thing for for Castleford and Salford, really. I mean, Castleford v Salford is the battle of the great unknowns, isn't it? Yes, it is. And obviously, I think with, with Castleford, they've been kind of playoff side constantly towards the top of the table anyway for, for, for a few years. Obviously, Daryl Powell was there for, was it seven years, you, you said? Um, could this could this be like a, a, a sort of a, a wide junction for them? They could go either way at this point because um, obviously they, they had a successful, uh, you know, seven, seven seasons, really. Um, could this be a moment where they drop off, possibly? Again, no one, no one really knows. I mean, injuries will play a big part at Castle because they they suffered a, as much as anyone with the whole COVID thing. With I think you had two or three different outbreaks at different times, and yeah. they ended up literally playing the kids at one stage, didn't they? With Jason Gary Gary playing on the wing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, will Castle kick on or not? I mean, it's, it's a big question. Isn't it? I mean, if yeah. you ask Lee Radford, he'll say he'll say yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I'm not going to argue with Lee Radford no. anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> he'll come he'll come find you on Friday, guys. <laughs> he knows where I am anyway, I think. <laughs> uh let's let's look at, at Catalan Dragons uh, Super League uh, runners up last season. Uh, la- uh you know great, great campaign, uh, really sort of growing as a, cro- a, a club, uh, some great players and uh, you know promoting the sport in France as well. It's a, a really a good uh, story really for a belief. They were undoubtedly the story of last season with how they did on the pitch and off the pitch as well. I mean, off the pitch, certainly, they, they, they're feeling the benefits of last season's run on the pitch. The, the sponsorship's higher than ever. Mm-hmm. They've got more bigger companies looking to get involved. They've got a TV deal in France as well because it's just their TV deal at the moment not to lose is. Um, I mean, Catalan, Catalan have always been a success story off the field. I think certainly at one stage, they, more than anyone, made more money than any other club mm-hmm. off the field with sponsorship and merchandise and things like that. I mean, having, having been to Perpignan a few times, you only realise just how big and important they are to the area when, when you actually go, because, I mean, Sofford is big for Sofford. Catalan, Dragons is big for a region. Mm. You've got 
you've got Perpignan, which is the main city, but you have lots of lot, lots of towns sort of around that, and then even even crossing over the border into Spain, going out towards Barcelona, the impact is there. I mean, the impact of the cup final was a, was undoubted because I covered the game at the New Camp Stadium against Wigan, so. You sat there. You sat there in the new camp, thinking if Catalan had won the cup in 2018, this wouldn't have happened. So, again, but I mean, you look towards this season. Yes, they've lost James Maloney, but they brought in Mitchell Pearce and Tyrone May and Dylan Napper in the pack and everything. If anything, Catalan are stronger this year than they were last year. Yeah, and the, the, young, the young French kids have made such a, such an impact with nice like Mathieu Laguerre and people out. They'll be a year older as well. A yeah, obviously, with, with well. Catalan, uh, many, many moves when, when they did start in, in Super League, they had kind of exemption for a few years where they didn't come down. Three do you, think, years, do you yeah. think that helped, obviously, because they had a few seasons up towards the bottom um, that, they, that they weren't relegated to where they are now? Well, it helped establish them as a Super League club. I mean, what's the point of parachuting someone into Super League when you they could go down the year after? Yeah. You, you're parachuting someone into Super League, say, right, you've got, you've got an immediate relegation scrap now. So it gave Catalan three years to shed some roots. I, I was a big fan of the old licensing regime, whereby any any new team that came up had three years to build the play. I mean, you look at the amount of young players that came through during that time because clubs knew they were secure enough to be able to play them. So nowadays, I mean, with I mean, promotion and relegation is a staple of British sport, isn't it? Whether it should be in rugby league is a different question. Yeah. It is, it is obviously. I, I think it was a, had a massive effect. It gave them chance to kind of organise themselves and bring the right players in, and, and you know the proofs in the pudding now that they're, they're in some Super League Grand Finals towards towards the top of the table. They've got a great fan base. Uh, it's a club going forward, really. So I think Super League should be looking back at that decision um, moving forward to Toulouse, and obviously we'll talk about Toulouse in in a, in a little while. But we'll go to to Huddersfield now, and 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 uh, Ian Watson, <coughs> Salford's ex coach, uh, been there a couple of years at Huddersfield. Now, is it is it the time for him to 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 take Huddersfield to the next level? Do you think? When I spoke to Watson. The other week at Huddersfield's press day, I actually asked him a question. I said, is this now Ian Watson's Huddersfield rather than a Huddersfield side coached by Ian Watson? Hmm. He's got his players in. He's brought players on. I mean, Will Price has been a brilliant development for Super League and the Huddersfield club and everything. But Watson's got his players in now, players that will play his, the style of play he wants to play. So essentially, this year is all on him, really. He can't, he can't really use an excuse of, well, they're not my players getting used to my style of play. He's had that set in an imperial now. So they've got to perform for me, Huddersfield. Yeah, they've got the likes of, uh, of uh, Will Price, who, who's come in. You know, he's going to be a super, he's going to be a superstar in the future, I think. Definitely. The thing about Will Price as well is he's so level-headed as well. I mean, doing well at Super League for one season has really not gone to his head. I mean, He's he's going to switch positions up. He's going to play fullback this year. Mm. So, I mean, he, he knows he knows that he's not done anything in the game yet. I mean, he impressed for England nights against Jamaica at the end of the season. His undoubted quality at standoff would, was was shown several times last year. I mean, the change of position will that suit him? Will it not suit him? Again, we we just don't know. But it's a big year for Huddersfield for me. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Obviously, with Ian Watson going to Huddersfield, thinking obviously he wanted a bigger club to to be, to be able to sort of move on his career and compete at the top level. So it will be interesting to see what happens uh, uh, this season at Huddersfield. Moving to, to Hull FC now, uh, <laughs> Luke Gale's come in. Max Needs gone out. You know what? What, what do you make of that decision? Is uh, is has Luke Gale got another season or two in him to take Hull to glory? Oh yeah, Luke Gale's definitely got another season in, but likewise, Mark Snee's got another season or two in him. Mm. If he'd have stayed at Hull, would he have been would he have been much much changed in quality? Really, I don't think he would have been. The thing with Hull FC is they've always talked big and delivered little. Mm. Now's the time to deliver big for them as well. Yeah, really. I, I mean, coach- every, every time every time you talk about oh, which coach is going to be first first to be sacked. Always, no matter who it is, Hull FC's coach is always top of the list. Yeah. But that, that's pressure of being the Hull FC coach because obviously there's a, there's a demand, isn't it, if you're Hull FC? Because obviously you've got Okia, so you've got that, that derby. And then also they're a, they're a big name in rugby league and they should be competing in, you know, grand finals, Challenge Cup finals, really. They should be competing. They've got, they've got the names to, to compete, like, of like Josh Reynolds and... People like that coming through. They've signed a Kane Evans as well, although he's banned for the first three games of the season anyway. Um, they, they, they're not afraid of signing the big names, the names that should propel them to the top. But I don't know what it is about Hullefsi. They just never seem to put it all together, really. They've only reached the grand final once. Mm. And they, sh- they should be reaching grand final every, certainly every two or three years, I think. Hullefsi should be at the grand final for the size of club they are. Yeah, I suppose you're right there, Gaz. Obviously, uh, I think was it is it Chairman Adam Pearson has come out recently and said that obviously they're a bit disappointed with with season ticket sales, things like that, which which is you know a problem really because obviously they need the the money coming in to to fund these big stars. The thing that big big change at Hull FC is the way the way Hull FC is run is the stadium is run by what's called the SMC, the Stadium Management Company, which used to be owned by the people that owned Hull City Football Club. Hmm. Now, I remember the days when the Alums had Hull City and they literally plunked a squash court on the pitch. I was at, I was at several games at Hull FC Stadium where there was a big bear sort of imprint behind the post where a squash court was on the pitch. Now, the Alums have just sold Hull City to a Turkish guy called Ili Kali. So, and apparently, Adam's saying that the first meeting at the SMC with him was, was positive, so... The, the big a big thing is sort of how they move forward in the in the in the in the stadium really are they sort of like my, minority little partners or do they become equal partners with Hull City Football Club? The main thing the main thing at Hull FC is the big players delivering on the yeah. big stage and the big the big players del- delivering for them to get to the big stage. And that's that's the big thing in it. Obviously, when you're getting. You know, these big teams and these big players, they need to deliver, don't they? Uh, talking about uh, the neighbours to Hull FC, Hull Kingston Rovers. You know, good season from last season. Uh, looking to, to sort of kick on this season. Hull, Hull KR last year were definitely the surprise packages of the season. But you can only be surprised packages once. Hmm. Because teams, teams will know what's coming from you, how to defend you, how to how to combat your threats. They'll, they'll have figured you out pretty quickly, probably in defeat, to be honest with you. They'll figure you out what's... Watch the games from last year over and over again, and fig figure out what's what Hull KR do well, where they can be got at, and things like. That. The thing thing for me is a big a big part of Hull FC's game is the, the halfbacks Jordan Abdul and Mikey Lewis. I mean Jordan Abdul made the England squad, England team at the end of last year. Mikey Lewis really kicked on, but can they kick on again? I mean 
Tony Smith says that he's, he's seen a more confident Jordan Abdo from his England experience, having been there and done it, because he played well against France. And he, he feels that Mikey Lewis can kick on, but that's the big test for me. How will Hull, KRs, the halfbacks, guide them through this season, really, for me? Yeah. And obviously, like you say, when you're in the playoffs one season, it's backing up. Like I said before, I remember Salford, we got in the playoffs, I think it was 2006, and then went down the year after. Yeah. So it is yes. difficult to to kind of, uh, you know, <clears throat> keep that momentum. Like you said, teams get wise to you. And I suppose it's about changing the style enough to keep you moving in the right direction. But I think the signing of Lackley and Coop might do that at full kick. Well, that, yeah, Tony, Tony's made a real sort of point of bringing in the likes of Lackley and Coop, and also Ryan Hall's still there. And, Corbin Sims as well. So, I mean, he's made a big point of bringing in experience on the biggest stage. I mean, you don't get much more experience on the biggest stage than Lachlan Coop. And also, Lachlan Coop, will, his influence will keep keep heads calmer under pressure, if you know what I mean, because it will yeah. have been under pressure. I mean, St. Ellis did have an impression of not looking under pressure, but Saints would have been under pressure over the past three years. And Lachlan Coop will know that experience of being under pressure. Yeah. And that's what makes big players playing under big pressure. Because um, if you're yeah. under pressure, you can perform. That takes you to that next level, doesn't it? It certainly does that, yeah. I mean, it, the, 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 particularly finals, you, there's a saying that's said a lot, you have to lose one to win one. Hmm. It's almost like you learn how to play in finals and like England in the World Cup as well. I mean, you can't get any closer than winning the World Cup in the last final. 6-0 against Australia. Callum Watkins and ankle tap away from the levelling try. What would have happened then? But... Again, it's, it's that winning winning the finals. These winning games, these winning big games, then these winning finals. And the very, very best players know how to win finals. Yeah. Salford's lost two in the last sort of three, five years. So we'll be all right next time it comes around, hopefully. <laughs> Got to get to one first. <laughs> well, this is true. Hopefully this year, guys. Hopefully. Cross your fingers. Um, <laughs> let's talk Leeds Rhinos. Uh, spent a lot of money. Got brought in Adam Caesar, brought in Blake, Blake Austin. Got some good youngsters at Leeds as well. Could this could this this be the season uh, they get back to the very top? I think Leeds will make real progress this year because, I mean, you, you say they spent big money, but they've also shed big money in Conrad Hurrell going to St. Helens as well because Hurrell was on big money at St. Helens. The big the main thing for me is they've got the likes of Caesar and Austin and. Fusitura, I think Fusitura will be a brilliant player for him because I've seen him play for Tonga. He's one of them players, he runs very quickly, but doesn't look like he runs very quickly, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. he'll, he also, he'll also jump higher than any player in Super League. Right. He's six foot five and jumps his height, if you know what I mean. Wow. Um, but the, the the big thing big thing for Leeds is the, the homegrown talent they've got underneath that likes of Nikolai Ledsky and... Ash Handley and Harry Newman as well and things like that. I mean, I'm really looking forward to seeing how how Harry Newman goes this year. So it's like they've got the, the top-line talent. It's like what, what I was saying before. They've got the, the top-line talent that can help them win the big games. They've now got. They've also got the homegrown talent that can help them win the, the more regulation games. Hmm. So I, I think Leeds will make real progress this year, to be honest with you. Yeah, let's move on to St. Ellen's now. Current champions, uh, the team to beat, uh, you know, could be another year the same. How how do you improve a team that's won the title three years running? Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's the question Christian Wolf's got to do. But to be honest with you, I think Christian Wolf has improved them with the signings that he's made. I mean, Will Hopper-White is a really good player. We will see a much different Conrad Hurrell this year as well. And also, the, it's meant... Meant to be James Roby's final year 
if it is, they've signed a bloody good understudy in Joey Lossick, haven't they? Mm. I mean, the, the theory is that that Christian Wolf told James Roby and Joey Lossick they, they'll split the minutes between them. But knowing James Roby, that means Roby will play 78 minutes and Joey <laughs> will play two. And James Roby will still make three million tackles a game. Yeah. Is... I mean, it, sound, it sounds predictable, but personally, I can see Saints making it four in a row mm. this year. I mean, they've lost the likes of Theo, but Louis Louis Dodds really come through and develop. He's, he's still insulated. They've got the they've got the homegrown talent below the top line players that can help them win the big games. But also for St. Helens, that that talent below the big names has experience of winning finals. So they've got they've got everything they need really to make it four in a row. I personally think they will make it four in a row. Yeah, it'll be, it will be the team to beat, definitely, in this, in the Super League. Let's move on uh, to, to Toulouse, the new boys in the in the Super League. You know, how do you think they're going to fare, Gaz? I don't think Toulouse know how they're going to fare, to be honest. <laughs> I don't think they're quite sure. I don't think they're quite sure who's going to play for him. Hmm. I mean, Jonathan Ford left because of he, he wouldn't have the vaccine. Mark Carella, we well thought he was going to leave. Now, all of a sudden, he, he looks like he's going to play at least a couple of games at the start of the season. You've got Tony Zigo as well, who is brilliant one day, awful the next. He's he's had a real sort of he's he's had a real sort of road back to back to Super League Tony, Tony in that he, he literally went back to playing with his mates in Avignon at one stage and that sort of re re rebuilt his his love for the game really. So he he's he's been at the very top winning last side at Wembley. He's been at the very bottom playing with his mates in for Avignon in amateur rugby. And now he's back in Toulouse. He, he, he knows that he's got to take every chance he can get. Also, as well as Tony, they've got they've got a solid Super League quality base in, I think, in Toulouse. Mm. Like of Mitch Garber and Joe Bretherton and people like and Harrison Hansen as well. And Dom, they've got Don Peru. They've got an experienced quality, Super League quality lineup that that should keep them up, should. Is it important for the Super League that they do stay up? Because obviously with, with Catalan, you know, they had that exemption uh, and that was that they were able to grow. With Toulouse, they don't have that exemption. So it's kind of do or die in it for them. Is it do or die for the sport as well? Well, the difference is, is Catalan were parachuted into Super League. Mm. Toulouse played the way in. So Toulouse knew the rules. They played by the rules. Yeah. They know they know what they know what's required. They've, they've been they've been around for a few years now, um, so uh, personally, I think it's big if Toulouse stay up because Toulouse is at the moment France's fourth biggest city, it's soon to be its third biggest city, I think, given how it's going, and just having that presence in another area in France, in a in a, in a city that's recognisable all around France, is is big for the game because I mean, as nice a place as Perpignan is, it is a, in in. Broad terms, in fact, it is a tiny little place tucked away in the corner. Whereas Toulouse is a major city, really. Mm. And having that presence in Toulouse and also having the, the fans turn out in Toulouse because, let's, let's, let's face it, Toulouse Olympic Rugby League Club still has a lot of making up to to get anywhere near as big as Toulouse Rugby Union Club, anywhere near. Because mm. Toulouse Rugby Union Club is one of, if not the best and biggest team in Europe. Right. So they've, they've got a lot to, to do to make up to make up the ground. But they share the, they, they, they've got a good relationship with the rugby union club. They share the same ground. They talk of developing that ground again. I personally think Toulouse will stay this year, and I think it will be bigger 
big four Toulouse and for the Super League as a whole if they do stay up because if if Toulouse do stay up and I expect to see them recruit bigger sort of more star names for the second season after rather than the first because they've not gone out and splashed the cast to like oh we've brought in this player that player that player we're definitely going to stay in Super League they've not really gambled financially for this for this one year just in case it doesn't work and they do go down but if they do stay up for a second year I think you'll see Perhaps the purse strings loosened a little bit more. It's it's going to be an important, obviously, season for them and and the sport. And you know, we, we'll have to wait and see, guys. Like you say, we don't really know how it's going to play out. I think with Super League, it's kind of the intense level week in week out. And it's, if they can sort of deal with that, uh, then they might cause a few surprises. Well, I, th- I also think that the, the intensity level in Super League is, is going to get higher this year as well. In that. Mm. There's more, there's more, like the teams at the bottom are better than the teams at the bottom in previous seasons. Like, yeah, in previous seasons, you say, Oh, well, they're going to finish bottom, they're well adrift already. And nine times out of ten, it works out that the team you think is going to finish bottom does finish bottom. Whereas this year, whereas this year, it's more of a guess, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it's, it could be anybody, it could be sort of any year from sort of four or five, really. And that's, I suppose, that's a good thing that there's so many teams that are in the mix rather than sort of one being cut adrift at the bottom. Definitely, yeah. No, no, I mean, that's the whole idea of Super League and the whole idea of the salary cap, really, as well. Even in the spread of the talent, yeah. Yep, definitely. And there's more talent being spread out as well. Mm. Talk about spreading the talent. Uh, let's talk Wakefield now. Uh, always kind of bouncing around, kind of near the bottom of the league. Always survive. <laughs> um, what do you think their season's going to entail? Well, I think it's going to be a slog for Wakefield because one big factor for them if 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 what they say is going to happen does happen, they're going to be playing a building site for much of the year <laughs> because they're going to be redeveloping the ground around them. Yeah. So, what will that lack of atmosphere or change of atmosphere? How will that affect Wakefield as a as a as a club and as a team? Really, I mean, they've got they've got undoubted talent. I mean, Tom Johnston is a England winger any day of the week, really, for me. And he's, he's adopted a new attitude as well. He, he, he he's consulted a, a sprint coach. He's changed his diet. He's lost weight as well. He feels faster than what he is. I mean, he was quick enough anyway, but he feels faster than ever now. Um, and also, I mean, they've, they've got talent in the pack as well, but have they got enough to, to compete regularly, really? I personally am unsure on Wakefield, to be honest with you, as to how they'll go this year. And that's just a personal opinion. I've been wrong before, I'll be wrong again, but mm. I could see them bumping around at the bottom if I'm perfectly honest with you. Yeah, but I think with Wakefield, guys, they, they, they're the kind of Houdinis, aren't they? They always escape. So that'll be the kind of, will that be a mental thing for all the teams around you thinking, you know, Wakefield always escape. It's not going to be them. Will that, would that, would that, would that be a possible uh, side effect to that? How big, an, how big an effect has Wakefield's ground had in the past on visiting teams? Because let's face it, Wakefield's ground isn't a Super League ground, is it? No. Visiting teams will probably turn up away for the look around and go, what the hell's this? Mm. And that that may put them off their game, may may have put them off their game in the past. And Wakefield Trinity have made a, a habit in the past of capitalising on that. Now the ground is going to be dug up around them. Will will that effect be negated, really? Mm. I know our record's not the greatest, greatest record. I think we've won twice in about 20 years or something like that. It's not great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
There's quite a few teams have a poor record at Wayfield, really, to be honest with you. I'm not quite sure why. She's probably sitting on the plastic chairs in the, in a dressing room that, that looks like a Sunday league dressing room, to be honest with you. <laughs> maybe, maybe that, Matt. Put in people's heads and all that, probably. Yeah. Let's move on to Warrington now. You know, it's always their year, they say. Uh, Daryl Powell's come in. They've got a lot of stars in that side. And it's only a matter of time, isn't it? Surely. Oh, yeah. You'd think it is only a matter of time. I mean, Daryl coming in as coach will be big for them because he'll change. He, he, he's very no-nonsense, Daryl. Oh, he is very no-nonsense. Even just chatting to him, not interviewing him, he's very no-nonsense, Daryl. Very, very straight down straight down the line. Matter of fact, doesn't accept any, any nonsense from anyone or anything, really. I mean, the thing with Warrington this year, they've, they've always had a habit of pulling off big signings or making big signings like to Greg Inglis and things like that down the years. But this year, they've got, okay, they've got big players, but in the key positions, the fullback and the halfbacks and the hooker, it's the same players that they've had for a couple of years, so they all know each other straight off. And also, in the halfbacks as well, I mean, Gareth Widdop and George Williams only played together about five or six times last year. So this year, they've, they've had a full pre-season together. They'll know how each other works. I mean, last year was very much learning learning on the hoof, really. So this year, Winnip and Williams will know how each other works, what makes them tick, how, what the calls are. They've got Steph Ratchford at, at fullback, who, for me, should have been an England fullback more regularly for me. Mm. They've got Daryl Clark at hooker as well, who, to me, is an, is an NRL hooker. I mean, put Daryl Clark in the NRL, they'd be raving about him. Yeah. And also, they've... They, the, the, even the signings they've made, okay, they may not be star signings, but the likes of Peter Matauti and Oliver Holmes are really, really good, solid players. One one player to watch for me, watch Matty Ashton, who they're going to play on the wing this year. Mm. I mean, he, he is like the proverbial off a shovel. He's also a very a very level heavy player as well. Excellent Lions, I think. Yeah, they've also got they've also got good kids in the Background as well. I mean, Josh Ulis is a star in the making. Mm. Give Josh Ulis a year or two, he'll be a real star, I think. He was very good on Friday against us. He's a really good player. He's an them lad, you see. Is he? He's from Savile. He's good stuff up there, guys. Yeah, I'm not sure running rugby league teams is one of the specialities <laughs> or running football clubs, but they do some good things in Oldham. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk. Sort of Wigan Warriors now. Uh, new coach Matt Peake's come in, kind of come in from within. What do you make of that? Obviously, you think Wigan Warriors, you think big names, big coaches. Uh, is it is it good that they brought uh, someone in from within? Having been around Wigan and spoken to Matty myself, I'm convinced he is the right man for the job. But I not necessarily think he'll make an immediate impact in the go from to win the league this year. But for me, it's very much a step in the right direction for the players that they've got. I mean, they've also got Lee Braz and Sean O'Loughlin, and they've got Sean Wayne above them all. So the team, the team for me is the coaching team for me is the right team for Wigan. The the, the most refreshing thing is Matty has really changed the attitude of Wigan. He, he's really big on making the club a part of the community and making the community a part of the club. So whereas previously, I think maybe Wigan were guilty of losing that connection with the people around them, basically. Yeah, and Matty's. The- Matty's yeah, sorry. Obviously, the you know the pressure of being being Wigan Warriors is, is probably another factor, really, when when you're looking at uh, sort of this season. Obviously, with the likes of Settlers and Leeds, sort of looking like they're going to succeed. You know, Wigan needs to be on the coattails, don't they? 
I do think I, you might not necessarily see Wigan progress in the table, but I do think they will make progress in terms of the way they play. Mm. And also, I think Wigan is almost like a, a project, really. Like He's not going to make an immediate immediate impact, although we might do now, I've just said that, but <laughs> two, two or three years' time, I think you'll see the real results of bringing Matty Pete through the ranks and also the Libras and Sean O'Loughlin, and also Sean Wayne. I mean, Wayne, Wayne he's very much uh, hands-off. He's not involved in any of the coaching or selection at all, but if he spots something that the coaches aren't doing or are missing, perhaps, he's not afraid to tell them, and they're more than happy to sort of take advice from a man who has been there, seen it, and done it several times over. Hmm. Finally, let's talk about Salford Red Devils. <laughs> um, what, what do you think of, of the, the team and the squad that Paul Rowley put together? I'm, I, t- I said before that there's a rare thing you see playing that's optimism. There's an equally rare thing at Salford, and that's genuine strength and depth this year. Because pre- previously, maybe we've had a good first 13, first 17, hmm. but then below that we've been struggling. Whereas now you can probably think of 25, 26 players that would do a, do a good job at Super League level that Salford have. I mean, keep everyone fit, which is the big question. I mean, they'll have a backline and halfback combination as good as any as anyone, really. Mm. The, the main thing I can see that, that may, maybe concerns me or worries me is how the pack will compete against the real big, bigger packs in Super League. I mean, they've not, they don't really have a don't really have a, a real, real big man like Icky Ifo was last year and year before. I mean, were right, you can't deny I me. Mean, Elijah Taylor probably out tackle James Roby if you want, if you if you asked him. Mm. But uh, the the pack is the big thing for me. And I mean, that's, I mean, you were on the call before, spoke to Rolls before. I mean, you, he's got four centres that can pick from, and at least three players that can play hooker as well. I mean. When, have, when was the last time we had that? We have, we've always had like one star hooker and then one fella that could do a job at hooker, whereas now we've got two genuine hookers and two fellas that, well, certainly one fella in Chris Atkin who's, who's shown he can do a very, very good job at hooker. Would you say this this Salford team is, is one of the strongest we've had in the last few years, uh, both in sort of depth and in strength? Personally, I would, yeah. I mean, strength in depth is huge because we've seen over the past few years how how hard injuries can bite us. Uh, whereas now, I'd probably say that there's more capability in, the, in coping with any injuries that come along. Mm. I mean, we're going to start the season without Callum Watkins anyway. I mean, a, a re- I mean, thankfully, Callum seems to have taken the attitude of, I want to make sure my knee is really, really right, right this time rather than rushing back for the start of the season. And a, fit, a genuinely fully fit Callum Watkins is as good as anyone in Super League for me. Indeed, I think he he, is, he can be world class on his day. But we have got a lot of centres who are very good: Dan Sargeson, Tim Lafay, uh, Matty Costello. Uh, you know, we, we've got talent in that area. It's going to be a, you know interesting to see who Paul Rowley uh, picks. Be interesting to see where he plays or if he plays Dion Cross actually. Yeah, yeah. Because Dion Dion's been the standout of pre-season for me. I mean, They've taken him for witness who took him from amateur rugby league, I think, and he's not really stepped up in there, but he's certainly shown glimpses to me that he can make the step up and make the grade at Super League level as a centre. But I mean, I think officially he's a winger, isn't he? But when you've got Super League's top try score from last season on one wing, that, that spot's sewn up, isn't it? Yeah, it can but, be. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, I suppose with with the way obviously that the squad they've got sort of depth everywhere, and, it, and like you said before, that the forwards, uh, you know, aren't as big as we're used to. But with the way Paul Rally wants to play and the, and the kind of the style he wants to sort of portray it at Salford, he might not need big forwards to to do that. No, definitely not. I mean, I think it'd be interesting. It's almost as if Salford's pack now is more, more suited to the six again rule. Hmm. In that the game will be more rolling now. It depends a lot. Depend. I mean, the rules could change tomorrow. To be honest with you, but yeah, will could the way the game's gone over the past couple of years? I mean, scrums will be back for one, so that's that's a real big change. That, but will the game, the way the game has changed over the last couple of years, suit the the pattern that Southampton have now? In that they sort of lighter but more mobile, whereas the teams with bigger players will will their bigger players. Will earlier basically, although Alex Walmsley defies that pretty much every week. Done well, <laughs> basically. No, he doesn't know, know the meaning of the word will. <laughs> um, obviously, this season is really important for, for Salford. Obviously, the, the move to Moor Lane kind of looms large. How important is it that Salford start well, uh, you know, with that coming on in the future? Like any, like any team, it's important that Salford start well because if Salford don't start well, it'd be difficult to shed that air of despondency mm. where people start getting a bit maudlin thinking, oh, well, we're, we're moving from the ground. We're, we're going to be a championship team. We're not playing really well in Super League. Whereas if Salford do start well, they can think, right, we can make a real stab at the players. We can do what Hulk I did before. We can do what we did maybe in 2019. Mm. I'm just thinking then. Um Obviously, obviously, I don't, I'm not tipping them to make the grand final or anything, but people may sort of start looking up the table rather than looking down the table. In over the past few years, the default position that Salford at the start of the season is looking over your shoulder, seeing who's below you. Mm. Whereas if Salford get a good start and they've got the fixtures where where they could get off to a good start, certainly the first couple of games anyway. Where if they get off to a decent a decent start people can start looking up and be a bit more confident in the, in the club, the team and themselves, really. Yeah, and we've got some quality players as well. I mean, Mark Sneed, uh, Brody Croft, uh, Ryan Briley, you know, all quality strike players, uh, you know, will score plenty of tries. Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, I mean having seen Brody and Mark Sneed in the, in the pre-season games, it's pretty clear to me that Mark takes a controlling role and Brody is the runner, for want of a better phrase. Whereas, and it's almost like previously, like, like the way Rob Louie and Jackson Hastings worked in the past, Rob controlled it. Jackson did the running. The the, the big biggest similarity I've seen between Brody and Jackson is well, two A, they're both Australian, mm. and B, Brody's not 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 afraid of switching sides of the field either. And Jackson often switched sides of the field, often end up with both halfbacks on the same side of the field. Brody's not afraid to do that either, which. I think is a big sort of part of the way Sofford will play this year. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Obviously, all the fans will be hopefully turn up at the AJ Bell Stadium. City will get behind them, and it could be a you know a really good season for us. Well, the main that's again you've just hit on one of the main points really. The city getting behind them and turning up at the AJ Bell Stadium. I personally think this is a year where Sofford fans have to start back in the team. Really, I mean, obviously, the results will determine how whether they turn up or not. But for me. I think it's a as big year for Salford's fans as it is for Salford Salford's players. To be honest with you, and it's going to be a an exciting side, exciting uh, year. 
following Super League, Gaz in uh, for the Sun? It's always it's always an exciting year. I mean, I'm, I always ask that every year, are you ready for the start of the season? I don't think I'm ever ready for the start of any season, to be <laughs> honest with you. But it, it just it just doesn't stop. Like pre-season, it's like you have to churn out your news articles and speak to new players and new signings and things like that. Then, then the season comes along. It's almost like, right, okay. The only, only the only added thing is the matches to cover, really. Cool to cover so many matches. It is at the start of the season when it's freezing, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> tell you what, I tell you what, Warrington on Friday. Oh man, thought I was hypothermic. I felt it was that cold. The coldest. I think the cold. The two coldest games I've ever been at. I mean, the the, the season opener the other year, St. Helens Wigan was minus two. <laughs> Right. But I remember doing a game at Salford once at the Willows and I got there and I think it was like two or three inches of snow still on the pitch, I think, yeah. and the game was still played. Yeah. Was it, was it, I think, was it Wigan we played that 2006, day? it was. Was it Wigan we played Wigan that day? I can't remember. You, you're walking in the game, walking in the ground, you're thinking, you look to World Cup and you think, how the hell is this game still on? Uh, Who's actually refereeing it? Yeah, it was, it was, we had a good pitch back in the day in the, the Willows, you know, a bit of snow, just had like a big, Sort of carpet thing to keep it keep it warm. You know, we did we did some good good stuff with that pitch. I'll take I'll take you away for it. I've, I've seen it in some states as well. To, I saw it in well, some states as well. To be honest with you, but <laughs> that that snow game was just like you just you just took one look at the ground. You're, you're like, how is this game still on? And more important, why is this game still on? It's uh, Super League rugby, summer rugby, as you know, snow's not a snow doesn't happen very much these days. No, well. I've always come to some sort of a some sort some sort of a conclusion in that you can always tell what's on by the way the weather is. First week of the cricket season it always rains. Yeah. FA Cup final day it's always really hot. Yeah. First first day of the Super League season it's freezing. Yeah. Yeah, that's constant. Oh, always the way. Set your clock by that. Or your calendar. Definitely. <laughs> so that's our uh, preview of the Super League season. Next we'll look forward to the Casper game on Friday night. It's time on the Devil of the So, Sovereign Devils travel to Casper Tigers in the first game of the Super League season. Uh, Paul, uh, you know, how excited are you about that? Oh, yeah, very excited, Rob. It's, um, it's been a long time coming round, really, hasn't it? I mean, I know we've had the, the, the sort of pre-season matches and friendly games. I, I, I don't like to call them friendly. I always call them pre-season games. But they, they, this is different now. This is It feels a bit like going to the Lions' Den, going to Cass. Got a new coach, so lots of new players. I've just heard today there's going to be, what, they're looking for a, a sell-out crowd. I think they've sold 8,500 tickets already. So it's going to be a colder atmosphere there. Um, and we're going to have to be switched on. You know, there's going to be times in that game, I think, where we're going to get tested. Cats are going to throw the kitchen sink at us, and you've got to withstand and soak that pressure up. I think Paul Roll will be telling the players that, but it's a big test. It's a really, really big test. And just talking to Gary there just before we press record, and he said, like, it's, it's like two unknowns. And yeah, that, that's, that's right. I mean, they've got a new coach, a lot of new players as well. So. It's quite an unpredictable game, this, I think. And I know we've got, I think we've got a 12-point start on the Cooper, and so obviously Cass are favourites, but I don't think there's going to be a lot in this game. It's going to be a tough one, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, obviously, Gaz, two new coaches <coughs> and two new uh, two teams. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see you and uh, plays well first. It is, yeah. I mean, 
early stages will be pretty much came in again, sort of linking back to the topic we we talked about before, but about the size of the packs as well. The big the big thing is can Salford handle Liam Watts in the pack? Because mm. we've seen over the past couple of years, Liam Watts is a quality quality prop forward, and then you throw in Paul McShane on the back of that as well, and also they got Joe Westerman now as well. He will throw it about. Joe Westerman will play almost like a Mark Flanagan role, like. Not afraid to throw it around from the base of the pack, you know what I mean? So I mean, the the real the early stage and that and how Salford handled Casford's pack will be will decide the game for me. It will be interesting to see what happens. Obviously, both sides, Paul, are looking for a good start, um, and it's going to be a fantastic occasion. Obviously, eight thousand plus down at uh, sort of Weldon Road, it'll be a fantastic atmosphere. Yeah, I believe Salford have sold quite a few tickets as well, and yeah, just speaking off like experience of going to Casford before, I think. The crowd play a big part, don't they? Um, and if I was Paul Rowley, I'd be saying to the players, we need to keep them quiet. You can't afford to let Castlewood get on that front foot. And like Gary said, you know, someone like Paul McShane, if you give him the room and the space, he'll tear you apart. Liam Watts as well. So you've got to get amongst Castleford early doors and hopefully get an early score. What you can't afford to do is go 16 points down or concede a few early tries and your backs are against the wall straight away. So, so yeah, it's pivotal that we get a good start in, in this game and, and come out firing. And No, I can't wait for it. There's an awful lot of um, ex-Cast players in that, uh, sorry, ex-Solver players in that Cast side as well. Nile Levels will be playing it, it won't he, and one or two others. So there's an awful lot on this game. I'm really looking forward to seeing how we cope with it. You know, we've seen Ryan Briley at fullback there in pre-season was really impressed. Now he gets a chance on the on the big Super League stage. Same with Brodie Croft, Mark Sneed, Shane Wright, some of the other guys have looked really promising in, in pre-season. Now he's the big test for them against a, a you know a, a good Castleford side. Yeah, Paul, obviously three pre-season games have gone. Um looking at the, the squad, uh, any any selections you think is going to be kind of sort of ifs and buts about it? Who's who do you think's in for definite and who's who could be sort of in or out? I'd say Sneed and um, and Croft are probably the halfbacks. I would have thought. Um, you've got Chris Atkin there as well, who who's a very very good player, um, and he, he'll probably be on the bench. I would have thought very useful player is Chris, and um, probably be lucky not to be in the side because he's been impressive in pre-season as well. I would probably say Ryan Braille is a, a shoe in at, at fullback the way he's played in in the pre-season games. I've been very impressed with him, not just the way he's played, but his attitude. He seems to be playing with a smile on his face, very energetic as well. So I think he's bringing a lot to the game. Just going off the three quarters, I wouldn't be surprised if Dion Cross gets in. Um, he really impressed me in pre-season. I'm not so sure about the the, the new the new guy whose name's just gone out of my head because I've had a busy day at work. What's he called? Um, the new Sandra Tim Laffey. That's him, Tim Laffey. Yeah, Tim Laffey. Yeah, yeah. It's been a long day. Uh, I won't. I'm not so sure whether he'll be in because. He's not really had a lot of time up with us, has he? So, I don't know. I mean, I know Paul Rowley said Callum Watkins is still quite a long way off. So, will Dan Sargentson slot in? Uh, possibly. We've not seen him in pre-season, though, have we? So, it's a tough one. I'd say Shane Wright will be in there with Elijah Taylor in that back row. Um, but other than that, I think there's an awful lot of, of selections that Paul Rowley has got. A few irons in his fire, really, hasn't it? There's, there's people there who, who he could pick. I, I, I don't, I wouldn't like to say really who he's going to go with, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it'd be a strong squad. Yeah, obviously, Gaz. You know, we're, we're looking forward to, to this game. Obviously, both sides. Uh, you know, classic cast. They're, they're known for throwing the ball about. Paul Rowley's uh, philosophy is, is to look to promote the ball. It looks like so. It could be an exciting game for for the for the spectator. I feel a bit for Shane Wright and Brodie Croft. It'll be a case of. Welcome to Super League. Here's the away dressing room at Castleford. 
They must they'll be looking around going, What the bloody hell have we done here? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like just just before you start recording, we're chatting about the team selection. I mean, who who starts at prop? Will I will I call the start with funny hour on the bench or will Jack Armand Wright get the nod as the other prop and in the back row, will James Green partner Shane Wright with Elijah Taylor at 13? I mean, it makes a change to me actually wondering who's going to start in what position. I mean, if, if I was going to bet, I'd, I'd bet on it being a Dion Cross Dantardis and centre partnership with a, with CO and Burgess on the wings. I, I'd bet on that, really. I mean, and also, a big factor will be the size of the pitch at Castleford as well. I mean, it took, I mean, I remember when. Adrian Lambert's in coach of Wigan. He used to alter Wigan's training pitch to the size of Castleford's because it's, it's very, very different than, than the one they had. Hmm. I wonder if Paul's maybe done a similar sort of thing for to prepare the likes of Brody Croft because Brody Croft booting a ball at Salford, it, the same boot will have a much different effect at Castleford than it will at, than it will at Salford, if you know what I mean. It'll go a lot further down the field because the field's not, not, as, not as big. End up in the boot but, room. I mean, yeah, in terms of in terms of the in terms of the crowd, I mean, it's great that Casford have sort of marketed it and getting eight and a half thousand fans in, which which it should be. I mean, I'd hope to think Salford take at least a thousand, which would be nine and a half thousand. I mean, nine and a half thousand in Casford will a be a be a squeeze, and b would make for a really good atmosphere in a game that's not on TV. Yeah, it's going to be a fantastic occasion. Obviously, great way to start uh, the Super League season. Paul, what's the what's the weather prediction? <laughs> Me and my dad were chatting about this the other day. We were both saying it's going to be freezing there. It's going to be freezing cold. I think the weather's going to dip in at the temperature. But looking at it, I think it's going to be dry on Friday, oh. according to my phone. So I'd, I'd settle for that because, you know, the supporters in behind the sticks there, there's no cover for the, the Salford fans at the old railway end. So uh, I think if the, the rain spares them, I think, you know, big cold will keep you... Keep you warm, won't it? But it's going to be a cold night, I think. But you know what? What's what's more magical than that? You know, an away match or any sort of rugby league match under the lights. You know, away at Castleford there. It's not the the best ground in the world, but I always enjoy going there. I think it's an old traditional stadium, and you get like Gary said, you get a great atmosphere with five, six thousand in there. So there's nine and a half, ten thousand in there. It's going to be absolutely buzzing. Got two new coaches, loads of new players. You know the 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 ex Salford players that are in the, the cast squad, and you know a couple of ex Castford players in the in the uh, the Salford squad as well. Mark Sneed there, ex Castford player. So there's an awful lot of um, conundrums and, and whatever you're on this game. So I'm really really excited for it and can't wait for it to kick off. Yeah, your big coat, Paul Parkins, woolly hat, warm as toast. <laughs> um, Gaz, score prediction. What are you what are you thinking? Uh, score prediction. Will you just put me on the spot now? I think. I think Salford will win just by two or four points. It'll be a close one, I think. But like I said, a lot, a lot depends. Like I said before, a lot depends on how they handle Casford's pack early doors. Because Casford will go all out, particularly eight and a half thousand home fans in, in the in the ground for them. They'll really go all guns blazing, really. So Salford really have to handle that early sort of 10, first 10, 15 minutes, really. But if they can, I can see quality showing, really. Salford's quality coming through. If if Casford get on top early doors, they won't let it go. Hmm. But I, I can I can see Salford holding on for the first 10, 15 minutes just and then coming through towards the end to just nick it, I think. Parky's not here, uh, Gaz. You're gonna to have to give us a score prediction. And if you comes in, Parky might get his Nando's. 
What an actual proper score. an actual proper prediction because if if he ever get an on on the on the on the button prediction, uh, the winner gets a Nando's. You see, so we need you. We're parking needs you to come in with this now. I will go Castleford sixteen, Salford eighteen. Sixteen, eighteen. So, Paul, what do you reckon? That was going to be my prediction. For some reason, I've had cast 16 in the head all week. I was going to go 19-16 to solve it, but that's a bit too near Gaz's that. Mm. So I'm going to say, I can see there being points in the game. Cass are going to score a few, I think. Uh, I'll go <laughs> Castleford 22. Yeah. Salford 28. 22-28. Is there a story behind that? Uh, no. No, Ryan Briley will score again. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to go uh, Salford heroic starts of the season, uh, quieting down the, the 9,000 locals, whatever it be. Uh, I'm going to go Castleford 10, Salford 42. Bloody hell. 42 10, and I'm going Craft that trick. There you go. You know what, Gaz, write that down now. Saves your job, Friday. I'm not doing the game, Friday, so you've saved me a job anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, big thanks for, for coming on, Gaz. been uh, really great talking to you. So all right, no problem. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Another great show, Paul, talking all things Salford. Yeah, enjoyed it, Rob. Can't wait for Friday. And I, really, I, I feel slightly nervous for Friday as well. You know, <laughs> kicking off, but no, enjoyed it, Rob. Nice one. Brilliant. Big thanks to you this week's Devil in Detail podcast. I'm Rob Parkson. You can find us on Facebook, Devil in Detail SRD. You can find us on Twitter at DITDSRD. And you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Radio Contact, Spotify, and YouTube. See you next week. Ha, 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 ha.